Hello and welcome to the Lean Line Podcast. Chris here, I hope you're keeping well and staying safe. It's um, It's been a minute. We're still on a bit of an extended break just now where, where we try and figure some stuff out, but we've got a special interview with the new CEO of Scottish Women's Football, Aileen Campbell, for you right now, who, after 14 years in politics, has taken on the task of helping to grow the women's game in Scotland. Um, during the interview, we talk about her upbringing as a football fan, the challenges the game faces in Scotland, and our hopes and ambitions for the women's game, as we all hope it continues to grow. Hopefully, there's a little bit of something for everyone in here, so um, I'm just going to hand it over. I'm a little bit rusty, but it was nice to do an interview in person for the first time in a long, long time. So uh, hopefully you all enjoy it, and I'll be back at the end just to plug all the usual social stuff. But um, here you go. So, new job, first. is this the first official day? Uh, no, I've been in post for a couple of weeks now, but yeah, so this is just, um, yeah, so getting to get into grips with the, uh, the lie of the land and looking forward to the challenge ahead, but there's already um, been some things that we've had to try yeah. and tackle, particularly, you know, the, the news, the sad news around for Farmington, which was really disappointing, so, uh, and really sad for everyone involved at the, at the club, uh, so yeah, it's same. Um, been an eventful couple of weeks, but looking forward to bedding in, getting my sleeves rolled up, and getting getting started. Yeah, a bit of a, a baptism of fire you probably weren't expecting, eh? <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I guess, um, maybe a symptom of the, the, the pace of the growth of the game, and maybe a signal for us all just to reflect upon and learn from and work out, you know, how do we make sure that we have you know sustainability involved with the growth as, as well as as striving for growth but making sure that we're, we're moving together and so that's I think an important signal from what Forfar have gone through that that we need to be mindful of and all clubs probably need to be mindful of as well because Forfar have been around for such a long time been so well established that it, it maybe just gives everyone a moment just to think and reflect upon what we all need to do and how we all need to work uh, in order to ensure continued success but that we don't have to see clubs taking these decisions um, going forward. No absolutely. Well uh, we'll probably talk a little bit more about mm-hmm. this and stuff like that but first of all what, what attracted you to the job? I mean I had a had a reread at your Sunday Post article. Uh, article yesterday it was a really nice read so what mm-hmm. what attracted you to the Post? How did it come about? So um, I have been a football fan for, for a long time and have enjoyed <laughs> not to any great level playing football where I could and and, and to the, the best of my abilities which are pretty low but um, have enjoyed it and enjoyed team sports and I have been also a, a, an MSP for the last uh, 14 years and about you know spring of last year I signalled that I didn't intend to to seek re-election again and so in the process of thinking about what next the job came up so I applied for it because I thought this would be a wonderful opportunity not sure if you would get it or not give it a give it a give it a try and delighted to have been appointed and feel that it's an enormous privilege to be able to work in 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 a sport that I I love and uh, hopefully to to make a difference and make a positive impact so uh, that's what attracted me to the job was looking for new opportunities uh, and saw that this had come along and and, and went for it so yeah delighted to have been entrusted by the board to to take the cudgels here. What was it? What was your kind of first football memory? Well, because I know you talked about like you played mm-hmm. the kind of youth and like mm-hmm. boys and girls mix group and how yeah, that's yeah. very common. But what was your first time you kind of went? Ah, do you know what football's football's for me? Um, goodness, I don't. I think as well because it just it just happened. You know, we didn't have there was well there, in my primary school there were sixteen kids in total when I started, thirty when I left. So 
really small, rural, tiny little um, village school. And and that has meant, that means, and this is the same for all village schools, that you have a real family feel. You're kind of mixing with different ages and you're just all playing together. And when everyone was playing football, you just took part and it was just brilliant. You'd play before school, during the first break, afternoon, and it, it, I, yeah, just loved it. And we just all, we all really enjoyed it. And, you know, you'd go take part in competitions at Bell Sports Centre in <laughs> Perth and amongst other wee schools. And it's the same there. It was all different, you know, mixed uh, mixed teams and nobody saw anything uh, different of it. Um, so I have always loved it, enjoyed it, I guess as well. You know, growing up, you start to see the World Cup and you get to a point in the you know, 1990 World Cup, you know, you're, I was 10, and so you're starting to become much more aware and uh, cheering on your, your team. I also grew up in Perthshire and when I was about eight or nine, they moved from Yurton to McDermott Park and then there was a really big push to to get youngsters to go along to the to the new stadium. And so that was a big moment. That was an exciting chapter in, in the club that I supported uh, history as well. So um, watching it, playing it, uh, it was all kind of about that same eight, nine, ten, seeing all these things happening and it made me, yeah, made me really uh, love football and, and realise that that was the sport for me. Um, and though going growing up, hitting those adolescent years, those are really tough, tricky years, I think, and that's probably where I kind of fell away from actually playing it. And I think that's a, I think that's a thing that we still have as a country. Going, how do we keep a hold of our the girls when they hit the adolescent years and he, help them continue to enjoy sport and activity? And that's a, a, a kind of a thing that we have to tackle across all sports. Yeah, you mentioned obviously like mm -hmm. becoming aware of football growing up, World Cups. Mm -hmm. I think well, we're both probably at the stage where <laughs> when we were growing up, women's football, I, I, certainly when I was younger, I don't really remember women's football that much. Mm -hmm. I mean, did you have much aware of, awareness of it at well, all or was it all kind of I, through the men's game? No, I did have an awareness of the women's game. Um, I was the... I probably should have said this out in my article. I forgot <laughs> to mention it, but I was then once the... The mascot of the national team. <laughs> I think I won a competition in the PA because, of course, the women's team played at McDermott Park yeah, yeah. as well. Again, you know, that was the new stadium and it was all seated and it was all really positive. So um, we, got to what, we got to be ball girls uh, at the game. And um, so, yeah, that was brilliant. Really exciting to see that actually there was not just watching the men play on the television, but you could see it live and see it happening in a stadium close by. And so that was really special as well. But I think you probably are always aware that there is there has difference that you were seeing much more regularly men playing. That was what's on the back pages, that's what's getting, you know, broadcast down the in the televisions in your homes. But um so I think I was lucky at that point in time to have, have seen uh, albeit in small bits, uh, women playing and, and seeing seeing them playing at McDermott Park when they played there a few a few times. Is there photos kicking about of that? Are there photos? I'm not sure if there are. I, feel like I might need to tell my mum to not release any. <laughs> <laughs> and there might be. Goodness, um, there could be. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> but um, I mean, obviously, women's football in Scotland the last couple of years in particular has mm -hmm. really, I mean, it's pushed forward so much. We all know there's there's still tons more to do. What, what have you made of like the last? Let's say from 2017, Scotland making their first major tournament, we've always had Glasgow City's success in the Champions League, we've now seen some clubs have started to kind of grab the initiative a little bit, well maybe not the initiative, but mm -hmm. put some more money into their sides. What have you made of kind of the last 
two years in the women's game, obviously in amongst the, the backdrop of the, the situation we've all been living in. Yeah, so I think that's that's a really brilliant thing to build from. I think you know, what we've seen is the growth. We can see all the, the statistics you know, that, that, are, that are set out, that there are more girls, women playing football, there are more clubs starting to establish themselves. And of course, then you're starting to see at the top end, uh, more investment going into to their to the women the women's the women's teams, um, but there's still a long way to to go. So I think the growth is brilliant. It's really positive. It's really encouraging, but we need to work out how we do do more of it and making sure that you know football becomes the the you know the number one sport for for girls growing up across the country. I also think as well, you know, I'm a mum of two boys who love football, and I don't think we should just limit the inspiring figures that we see playing in our SWPL1 to girls growing up. My boys love watching the women's game too and I think that's really special that you're getting generations of boys and girls watching it and recognising this is sport, this is football, it's a sport I, you know, that they love and so they're wanting to watch it and proactively choosing it and seeking it out to, to, to watch. Now that's a small anecdote from my own my own family but uh, my dad watches it as well and so I think you know, you're starting to see the growth in the audience as well and that's something I'm keen to do as well making sure that we don't just limit the audience but making sure we expand who is watching it who's enjoying it and and how we make sure that we broaden that reach and the, the appeal um so it has grown phenomenally I think there's a almost a moment though for us to make sure given that we've got forefront in our mind that we make sure that the, that is sustainable and strong going forward too that, that I'll tell you what, well, I was going to come to it later, but we've talked about it a couple of times mm -hmm. in that kind of notion of sustainability. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, for, for Farmington, mm -hmm. um, they still have their fantastic youth program that will still be yes. in place, and they, they have brought many internationally before. It was only a couple of years ago as well, Hutchie Vale, um, SWPL2 side, who mm -hmm. made a similar decision. Mm -hmm. They're now back in the new championship. Mm -hmm. It's how, how do you tackle something like sustainability in women's football? Because there isn't... A, at, even at SWPL level, there isn't a lot of money for clubs mm -hmm. at the moment. Um, and the ones that are, are kind of pushing there are being held up by the, the male, male equivalents of themselves. How, how do we make sustainability achievable? Because it feels like it's a nice thing for everybody to, to say. I think we all say yeah. it. Mm -hmm. But it's how, how do we, how, how do in we your do view, it? how to do it? And I think that's, for, my, for me, that's my role going forward is working collaboratively with the clubs as well, working with that wider football family, working with our governing bodies, working with uh, those directly involved with with the game uh, as well um, because I don't think that's going to just be us on our own you know we've got a huge role to do to make sure that we can bring in opportunity partnerships through the leagues but we need to all work together on this and I think you know unfortunately I think what Covid does is mean that maybe people become a bit you know disjointed so what we need to do is bring everyone together work with the clubs work with that wider football family to, to, to drive forward what we mean by, what do we mean by sustainability? What does that mean in practice? And how does that, what does that look and feel like? I don't think at the moment we have all the answers, but I definitely think there is a need for us to work collaboratively in partnership. Um, I've got, and I've met with many of the SWPL1 clubs already, they come at it with different perspectives, different um, ideas. They all want to see, it's all, it's all for all our benefit that, that we have good competitive leagues, but we all need to work together, and that's why we need to work and you know ask you know ask our clubs to work out what does this mean, what does it mean for you, how do we uh, capitalise on opportunity, and 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 how do we drive you know drive the game forward together. 
it's different to the men's game. So we need to recognise that we can't just replicate what's happened in the men's game. We don't want to replicate it all. We want to, you know, we want to grow the game, but we need to recognise that women's sport, women's football is different and that there maybe needs to be a different way of approaching that uh, uh, in terms of moving, moving the game forward. So I think these are the kinds of discussions I want to have uh, to work out how we do that. And we've got the backdrop of the SFA strategy as well so that gives us a good opportunity to furnish the high level ambition that is set out within that with tangible action going forward oh don't worry we'll talk about that that's cool <laughs> but um no and i think i think you make a couple of good points because i think people think sustainability and automatically just think money but there's there's a lot more into it and one of the one, one things i'm kind of keen to get your, your thoughts on is accessibility and not necessarily accessibility play because i think that's something that is going in the right direction as we've talked about <laughs> earlier but um, a lot of SWPL clubs this season have been on their travels again. Um, Hibs, for example, are playing at Armadale and Livingston, but they're based in Leith. And it seems to be a kind of recurring theme that unless you have that affiliate, it's quite hard to get somewhere to play. Um, what, what, what do you make about And I sit here as a fan who somehow has ended up sitting here asking you questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Well, like in terms of like fan experience, I think that's really important in terms of growing the game. And at the moment, it feels like clubs are are doing their best to get a, some even as a basic as a, as a ground. So, right, how how do you think we can help people kind of get closer to, to their communities in terms of that that routine that you that is so ingrained in fans of the men's game on a Saturday afternoon? Mm -hmm. So, I think that's a really a good point as well. That's you know part of the reason why there are and there has been the minimum criteria put in place, but also a recognition that there has to be um, that we need to nurture that fan experience so that we can attract more people, that we can make sure people know that it's something that they can enjoy. And that's tough for clubs because, like you say, they're trying to work out where can we play and how, how do we get and to make sure that we've got somewhere that's suitable and uh, can enable us to play and it's suitable for the broadcast and all the rest of it. So there's lots of moving parts to this. But absolutely, the big plus point around football is around the community impact that it has beyond the 90 minutes on the pitch. It's about the reach that football has into people's lives, into how they, you know, what they're interested in, what they talk about, uh, the way it can motivate change, bring about people's, you know, bring about real improvement in people's lives. And, and, and that wider piece is something I'm interested in. We've got fantastic community clubs at the moment, Spartans, uh, for, for even though they're not taking part in SWPL1, they have a massive community reach within Forfar. I mean, that town will have been devastated that they won't see a team in, in the top league. But So we need to find a way to, to nurture that wider community impact, that fan experience, to make sure that we've got that connectivity with the fan base to grow it as well. What What is a... You're a football fan, we've talked about this already. I don't know, I have my opinions about what makes a good experience for a fan. Mm -hmm. what, what's, what's, what's good for you in a... What make what ticks your boxes when, when you go, go to a game of football? Game of football. So I, uh, I, I go and watch my my two boys are are St Johnston fans as well. So when we go to see the football. I have liked it when I know, for instance, Beverly at St McDermott Park. She's the fan liaison officer. She's brilliant, and everyone who goes to see St Johnston play knows her, Beverly. That's it, you know, you, I, I probably have met her once possibly, but everyone has a really strong relationship on social media, on you know, Twitter. And she, you can tell, really cares about the fans. She's a fan herself. So what's been really nice when we've gone, albeit this is before COVID, but 
you know, we'd go to the Ormond stand, the, the family stand, there was we, and there were activities there for the boys, table football, to have a bit of fun before the game when they're waiting for the teams to come out. Um, I'm not saying these are massively important like game changers, but yeah. the, it gives you that sense of that you're, you're, you're wanted here, we want to keep you here, we want to we recognise that for the future of our club, we need to make sure that the, the youngsters have a good a good time, a good experience. We care about them. She put once there was fruit out for the kids to try and make sure that they had healthy options as well. So there's that's just one experience and one story, one anecdote of of the kind of feeling that I got as a parent about how valued my boys were going to the club. So um, I don't know if that's something that that is that can be easily replicated. I know that there are different you know levels and stages that all clubs are, but I think it's just that that feeling of connectedness and it doesn't have to be table football in the stands but it can be just how you message how you signal your support how you make sure people feel cared for and wanted there and wanted to come back to watch and participate and see the the, the women uh, play so i think there's lots of lessons of good practice that we can learn and replicate it doesn't always need to cost lots um, and it could be about culture change it could be about how you communicate, but I, I think it's about feeling welcomed and valued and wanted. Yeah, Bev is possibly one of the busiest women I've ever spoken to in my life. Oh, you know Bev. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, it, it, you know, it's interesting to me at that point with Bev and about mm -hmm. the, the role she plays, and I don't know if you've cleverly manipulated my next question. I don't know, here, but, I don't know. But uh, obviously there's been a push for match delegates, and I mean, I'm probably one of, probably get to more women's football than most people, mm -hmm. probably a couple more. Um, and match delegates is obviously uh, mm -hmm. uh, something that was kind of put out uh, a few months ago mm -hmm. about kind of setting basic standards, things like mm -hmm. kickoff times, mm -hmm. pricing, mm -hmm. having, as you mentioned, somebody there to kind of say, this is where you go, this is what we do. Mm -hmm. um, how's that been going? Is that something that you think is going to be really important in we're, that we're next step? We're progressing with match day delegates uh, going forward into the, the new season. So I think uh, these are these are small steps that we need to start taking and we can't pretend that we can do everything at once. It's about incremental changes, making sure then, again, working with our clubs, that there is the buy-in there, that they recognise how important it is to, to do, not just delivering the results on the pitch, but that wider experience too, if we want to see more people attracted to watch and spectate. So, um, and I also recognise that in amongst that, that the team I'm working with at Scottish Women's Football work incredibly hard to help facilitate and support some of that, go above and beyond. Um, and it's been tough and challenging. Um, you know, Scottish Women's Football as an organisation has been impacted by, by COVID, like so many workplaces across, across Scotland and across the world. But there is a, a team there that are dedicated to wanting to make that work too and making sure that we can drive all elements of the game forward uh, as well. You know, I've been asked as well, you know, I think it's not just about getting the players on the pitch, but it's also about what, what other opportunities can women have within football. And I think that's a really interesting, exciting prospect as well around coaching and, um, you know, other, other opportunities that there are in sport journalism as well, how many women are, are taking part in, in, in journalistic opportunities as well to ask the questions, to talk about the game, recognising that for women it should be normal for you to talk about the sport you love and to see and recognise in the papers that you read that the, that the sport you love is there. So I think there's so many things that we need to do. What I need to do is kind of <laughs> work out what are the things we can do over what time scale and, and, and drive them forward and, and, and play a part in that wider a discussion about bringing about improvement to the to the game. Um, I've I also when I signalled that I want didn't want to 
uh, seek re-election. A big part of that was about seeing my own kids grow up. And my two boys are grown up fast. They're both football fans. But also I wanted to be involved in their, um, their activities. So I've also done my 1.1 oh, as nice. well. So that, <laughs> I've done my 1.1, just uh, waiting for all the things that I need to have done. Uh, ticked off and hopefully can lend a hand to, to Simon and Tinto, the wee team that they play for. Um, but that is also another bit of work that Scottish Women Football have done to try and improve all areas of the game. The Last week, working with SFA, putting a bit of resource into uh, supporting clubs for more coaches to, to do their 1.1 to drive up the standards of, of, of the girls' game across the country. So hopefully these are small things that we can see that add up to that bigger culture change that we want to signal. Is it, how much of a challenge do you think it is? You've mentioned already how much challenge do you think it's going to be getting clubs with different directions in mind and different end games in mind and then having a consensus of agreement about what's what's best. Is that, is that kind of like you're going to be perhaps your biggest challenge in terms of all the things you're going to have to try and Yeah, I think, at. you know, so I've I've always tried to, in well, last 14 years being involved in politics, you know, there's <laughs> something, I'm not, I'm not uh, new to, you know, conflict and challenge, but, um, but what I've always tried to, how I've always tried to approach it is regardless of whatever anyone's views are, is to try and work collaboratively and work positively. Now that can't always mean that you're just then you know, pit yourself at the kind of the at the level that everyone's broadly can you know uh, agrees on a on a on a point because that might not necessarily allow you to push things forward always. So in developing relationships, having good collaborative partnerships, those relationships will be really important because you can have the good conversations, but then you can also have the space to have the challenge where you need it. And I'm no doubt that that challenge will also come back <laughs> uh, to me too. So I, I try and approach it openly, transparently. And that's going to be the ethos of, or, and that is the ethos of Scottish women's football uh, and want to continue with that uh, approach. Work with people, challenge where we need to, feel the challenge coming back. But I think the relationships are important because that, enables you to have that challenge and to sustain those challenging conversations going forward. Nice. Um, I'd be remiss of me not to ask about <laughs> commerciality. Mm. Um, so obviously, mm. Scottish Building Society um, stuck, stuck with SWPL through the pandemic, which was mm-hmm. yeah, addressed, obviously, mm-hmm. but we're going into this season, mm-hmm. the kind of main, main tournaments without sponsors at the moment. What I, I always find it an interesting one mm. because for me, Scottish women's football in Scotland feels like it has right momentum behind mm-hmm. it and the right tone behind it in mm-hmm. terms of people supporting it but when it just something's not clicking at the moment in that mm-hmm. what what do you think is there anything behind that when you look down south and it's a it's an unfair comparison to make that people yeah. do a lot and uh-huh. they, they look at the money that's going to yeah. that's the wsl that's a different mm-hmm. planet mm-hmm. but i think there's comparisons you can make maybe in other places across europe but where where do you see that that going that kind of commerciality and that that way of getting people to kind of put the money behind it that, that, that people have done in the past yeah, I, and it is, it is a challenge. So, I, you know, and that's, you know, we're, we're working hard to try and ensure that we can, you know, find new opportunities, find new partners. Uh, but but you're right when you kind of, and this is what happens in the men's game, isn't it? You kind of start to, you look, you look, you know, to England and see what's going on there and work out, you know, why why not here or whatever. But actually, um, we need to recognise we're in a different place in, in Scotland and we're compared to where the WSL is as well. So, that's what I view my job is is to do is to drive forward the um, 
the commercial side of, of the game uh, as well. We have got big ambitions in Scottish women's football about how we might try and do that, and and we'll be we'll be working hard on that. Um, but um, it, I think for me as well, while we can look at other countries and they've much more um, commercial support there, I think for me then I need to then have these conversations with our partners in other parts of Europe and across down in England and to say, well, what are you doing and what are we not doing, or is there things we can learn, or the things that we need to dif approach differently, are there different new opportunities, new partners that we've never thought through. How do we keep the ethos of, of the game and what it is, you know, really strong ethical backdrop to what women's football is about in Scotland and and how do we protect that as well and not and, and not see that diminish too. So um, I think, you know, I'm new in, I have to be optimistic, but I'm, I recognise the challenge that's there. And um, I, I think um, it's something that's common across a lot of women's sport around how you, how you, how you recognise that you've got a great product, but how do you get others to recognise that uh, as well? And that's something that you know maybe maybe it also requires me to work with other um, sports as well, you know, across uh, the different governing bodies to to see what they've done, to see what we can do together, how we can raise the profile of women, active women, and the phenomenal role models that they present to girls growing up across the country. The girls and the women that are playing football, or will be playing football when we see the league starting, they are phenomenal. They, are, they have defied the odds. They have really pursued their sport doggedly. They are doing that often on top of other jobs and responsibilities, um, but they have a drive and a determination and they, they, they demonstrate to girls what is possible if you work hard. And I think, you know, why, why wouldn't we want to showcase that talent and why wouldn't we want to get more people to support that and recognise those stories are so special and they can deliver an awful lot to, to, to girls, everyone, boys across the country too. No, and I think you've mentioned a couple of things where I think your point that mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be mm -hmm. young girls that inspired that. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, one of the things I've noticed in the last couple of years in particular is there is that, that next wave mm -hmm. of like teenagers, early 20s, mm -hmm. who are very much mm -hmm. up for embracing women's football and, and giving it that platform. So mm -hmm. hopefully that's something that, that continues at, at pace and mm -hmm. it's, it's maybe igniting them to kind of get the conversations going a little mm -hmm. bit further up the line. But no, it's a, as you say, you're new in. <laughs> Optimism is always good. Um, visibility. We've, I, the 2% figure that got put in the report, I always have a bit of a, it's a bit of a number for me. I don't really like numbers with much context, but I think it's fair to say um, if this was the CEO getting appointed for SP, um, SPFL or SFA, I probably wouldn't be sitting here just now. I think, I think that's fair to say. Um, and I'm, I'm okay with that, to be honest. <laughs> um, what, how, how do we get people talking about women's football more in Scotland? Um, so I think that, yeah, the visibility is, is important. I think it's good to hear and sense that the clubs are all looking for ways to, to use their wider uh, audiences, their, their season ticket holders and all the rest of it to, to think about how they kind of promote uh, the women's te their women's teams. So that's a good thing that we're starting to kind of make sure that we're kind of tapping into people who are already interested in football. You know, if you if you want to support this club, then you know, do you know we've got women as well playing, and and can you support them? So that's a good thing. I think the fact that BBC Alba, to their credit, have been hugely instrumental in growing totally. the the broadcast visibility at a point in time when maybe no one else might have done. They've done and they've supported. And they have a track record of supporting women's sport. And that's something that we need to 
recognise. And, you know, I think during the pandemic, like I say, you know, people were crying out to see live sport and yeah. they were able to watch the SWPL1 play in. And that's brilliant because they might not have watched it. Um, and they were seeing it on a level that was the same as every other other uh, game on the te- television uh, as well. So I think in the sports scene, highlights package as well, giving people a flavour about what was going on in the league. So I think these are really great, great, uh, great improvements that we need to, to build from. So again, I suppose it's broadcast, social media, new media, things that we have not yet thought of about what are the platforms that young people are using, uh, making sure that there's much more, I suppose, visibility in, in our broadcast, uh, in our uh, printed press as well. You don't feel that you're always having to kind of find stuff but you can just see it um so um and again that's going to be my my job is to think through ways in which we can bring about that visibility and get people talking about it and um i think you know exciting opportunity using and viewing the last 18 months of the global pandemic viewing to try and work out what can we salvage from that and what can we build from because people were watching football um in their homes and they were watching the women's game and hopefully we can keep them and retain them and keep them interested and make it interesting and that again comes back to the quality product you know keeping the leagues competitive keeping the, the the you know making sure that we can have excitement you know i think last year last season it was exciting right up till the end so it kept that interest going and growing and you know that's what we want to see in the season ahead with visibility comes challenges mm-hmm. um, i think it was a pretty Notable example, kind of towards the back end of last season. Um, I think it's Lauren Perry scored the goal, uh, goalkeeper from a free kick against Hearts, and it led to some. It's not not what you want to see people talking about women's football for. Mm-hmm. How how do we, as fans of women's football, mm-hmm. and obviously you've got a bit more influence than I do in that respect, <laughs> but um, how how do we make sure that, that when the narrative's there to be more positive? It always feels to me. Mm-hmm. And it's, this could be just my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. It's easier for things to pop off when it's maybe in a bit of a negative light. How how do we spin that so that when good things are happening, that is the thing that pops off? And actually, the way that maybe something a bit strange happens in the Ben scheme is kind of laughed off, mm-hmm. or is just given given it's like two minutes and that's it. How do we stop that when the women's game becoming like a, a two-week debate about something that not many people know about? Yeah. So, and I think player well-being is something that's really important eh, to me as well. Um, I'm kind of acutely aware that the, the last, you know, few days in this job have been around, you know, how do we how do we manage and how do we sort out what happened with, with for, for Farmington, the leagues, and how that gets then eh, decided upon in terms of all the, the kind of wider impact that that decision had. But in amongst that, I think there is, for me, questions about player wellbeing. You've got Aberdeen that's kind of been um, promoted one season after the other. They'll be new, they'll be on the television. That'll be a new experience for them. I, I think that we need to do, we need to work really hard to make sure that we set a tone. Everybody who t- comments and talks about women's football need to realise that they are they're playing in a, in a top league, but they maybe don't have all the advantages that the, the men's top leagues have. And and therefore, we need to care about these women. And these women have worked so hard to be where they are, but they deserve a respect. And so for me, it'll be about making sure that we do set a good tone, that we try and work out you know, how, who are the influencers out there to make sure that what the what the narrative is, is a positive one. And that's what, you know, I, you know, I, I hope that, you know, we've got 
a new national coach, we've got Fiona working in the SFA, me, new in post here. There is an opportunity for us all to work together to bring that collective uh, effort to bear to make sure that we can set the right direction going forward. But for me, wellbeing is important. I think I think it'd be interesting to you know I've not I've not spoken to her about it, but it'd be interesting. You know, the likes of Leanne Crichton, who's um, moving on from her playing career. What are her, what would she advise? How do we make sure that we kind of set the right tone around uh, player wellbeing, support, uh, recognising that while we all are keen to watch it on the television, that comes with a huge amount of pressure on yep. these girls as well. And you know, it's my it's our duty not just to kind of grow the game, grow the commercial visibility of it, but also make sure that the the the, the women are, are looked after. I think that's a, a very fair point because if anybody's listening to this, it doesn't know that much about women's football. It's a very young mm-hmm. league, SWP. In terms of the players involved, Mega Aberdeen is a good reference. They are a very bunch of talented teenagers mm-hmm. with some experience heads mm-hmm. in that squad. Um, and you're right, they will. They'll have a new scope. But at the same time, I suppose it's how how do we not go too safe with it? And mm-hmm. it becomes a bit pat in people's heads. It's how... how yeah, yeah. You, so I mean, again, some of these things are, I don't have a, a ready answer to, but there is, um, and you know, maybe this is where we need to have that broader relationship with our sporting sporting colleagues across athletics, across netball, um, Sport Scotland. You know, I, I know that you know there's a huge amount of effort across all governing bodies in sport to to make sure that they work on that mental health and well-being element of people performing at the top of their their game so maybe there are things that we need to do collaboratively to learn from you know how do you how do you have the the, the mindset that enables you to be performing competitively but also recognize that you need resilience in amongst that too um, and so again these are not uh, answers that i have ready for you for you on those questions because i think they're really big substantial yeah. things that not everyone at the moment has has worked through but um you know, in in the conversations that I've had, a developing theme that I think we need to address is that well-being and that resilience. And um, as the you know the governing, you know the the organisation in charge of of the leagues, I think you know it's our our duty to see uh, and support these women going forward. But um, yeah, I think mental well-being, well-being more generally, resilience. Um, but recognising that they're in a sporting environment that requires competitiveness is 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 important to get the right balance. If we are sitting here this time next year, uh-huh. what 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 are you hoping will have happened? I know it's very hard to predict the future. We're still not entirely sure what the future exactly is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but what what would you like to have at least seen started, perhaps in the mm-hmm. in the next twelve months? So, for me, it will be about um, having good firm established relationships with our, with our with our clubs with our you know our governing body working collectively towards a shared goal of growing the game that that we're all very clear on what we're doing and what we're delivering that we've got we'll be well underway with an SFA strategy that we'll know that we are you know our, our role is in terms of driving the the competitiveness of the league the success of the league that we've got new partners we've got good opportunities to explore around the, the investment and that we're seeing more and more people enjoying the games on the television so um, you know, there's lots to do. There's lots to make happen. Uh, we've come out of a pandemic, so it's also going to be really, really about trying to reset and rebalance things as well. And in order for us to reform things as we go forward and, and renew uh, women's football going forward, I think the other thing that I'm keen to do, which is probably not so uh, 
uh, exciting around you know visibility and all the rest of it but also making sure that the structures that we have the things that that, that govern the game are fit, fit for purpose as well you know the, the you know the, the professional side of it has grown like topsy over the last wee while and we need to make sure that every element of what supports the the growth is as good as it can be in order to uh, to support that continued growth in a really sustainable way and that might mean that we need to to look at some of the the, the wider governance issues which is also set out within the SFA strategy but for me it's it's that'll be, require a lot of work and a lot of hard work to make sure that we get that right and we don't become and don't act too hastily in making what we think are improvements but actually we'll need to change them later on again. You know, that was going to be the last question, but you've, you've given me a wee tangent there, and I uh -huh. love a tangent. So, <laughs> you, mentioned, oh, no. <laughs> you, mentioned, you mentioned governance. Uh -huh. um, there obviously has been already a couple of things this season. We've already talked about four firms, and we'll dwell on that. But uh -huh. there's also with player registrations, and we've had three nils, and we've had some games called off in the Championship, because obviously just the situation that we're in at the moment. Mm -hmm. How, it, you've mentioned that's kind of like the unseen less glamorous bit is probably the best way of putting it but it's, it is and you're absolutely right to call it out because i haven't really talked about it. it is probably the bit that i think anybody who's close to women's football in scotland will be very keen on because you're right it has been such a fast move mm -hmm. that there maybe is a there is a step mm -hmm. that maybe we've jumped and maybe it's just a, a bit of reflection what's from, from what you've taken in so far in the, in the short term what's what's your thoughts on that so i think yeah so, so i think for me that's about how do we it's about testing what what works or what and also coming in new means like well well why do we do that what does that do and why, why is it in that order or what you know so it gives you the chance to kind of really bring a fresh pair of eyes to think then through some of these structures are they are they the right ones do they fit well there is a huge number of volunteers involved with this game as well at club level governance structures committees and all sorts of things we want to make, I want to make sure that they are supported too, that we don't leave anyone exposed to any, any things that, that happen that are, that, 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 that within, you know, trying to make sure that the gun, that the games run, run smoothly. So yeah, I think, you know, being new gives me a unique opportunity to use that to my advantage. And it's to kind of question things and ask, you know, be curious about the, the, the structures and then work out whether or not are they the right ones? And if they're not the right ones, then what should be in place? And how do we do that collectively and collaboratively as well? Because, um, uh, you know, at the end of the day, while I know that there'll be consensus about wanting to grow the game, there's lots of clubs there wanting to win and win their leagues and win well. And, and that brings, uh, a, you know, a, an element and a challenge there that for us means that we need to navigate through to get to something that kind of fits well for everyone. I tell you what, I won't give you any more tangents then, um, <laughs> but uh, I really appreciate that. That's uh, very nice to give, give me your time. Oh, that's all right. Thank you once again to Aileen for taking the time to speak to me. Um, it was really appreciated. Hopefully you took something from it. Um, and if you did, please share it. The more people talking about women's football will help it grow. That's kind of what the running theme of that last 85 minutes was. But um, yeah, for now, thank you very much for listening. Stay safe and we will speak again soon.